Ja, on the blah 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 today. We have Ahmed Bilke. He's a Turkish Swiss Swiss US comedian basically. He lives in Switzerland. He's from Turkey, moved to the US, moved back to Turkey. Kind of a citizen of the world. Uh but um, yeah, but he as he said, he's based in in Switzerland. He's a comedian, does stand-up comedy. He kind of was planning to be a scientist and that was what he was supposed to be from his parents and and everyone. And he just didn't want to do it, so he took the leap. Um, there was never a plan B, and we talked about that, why it's important not to have a plan B, because of the commitment that you then give to plan A. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, where did the comedy come from for him? You know, where, where what inspired him to get up on stage, you know, and, and, and anything in his background that, that kind of inspired him for that. Um, He's very politically incorrect in a nice way. I like it. He, he just says whatever he thinks. And we talked about why comedians have this kind of window in, into society that a lot of other people don't seem to have or give themselves the time to investigate things. We talked Will Smith, Chris Rock, uh, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, Pooping in Bats. Um, and yeah, jokes about everything, you know. And, and uh, he's a really funny guy. He has a lot of stuff to say. And uh, we talked yeah, we talked about uh, human nature versus... Uh, pretending to be virtuous and uh, a lot of different things. So check that out and check his pages out and his social media stuff. He's really, really funny. You can find that in the episode description. The sponsor, that's the Old Bar Cypher Tour 21 in Prague. You can order online on Dami Yidlo, which is a Czech-based uh, delivery service, Volt and Bolt. And you can also come in there for a quick one. And now they're open on Sundays as well. So they're open Mondays closed on Tuesdays, open Mondays, Wednesdays, um, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, and opens at 8 o'clock in the morning and, and closes at 3, except on Saturdays and Sundays, closes at 1.30. So check that out. It's amazing food, amazing oatmeal, amazing skier, amazing coffee, amazing stuff, amazing atmosphere. Everything is fucking amazing in the Old Bar. And you can see them on social media as well, uh, the Old Bar Prague. Check that out, guys. Ahmed. Yes. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you very much for having me here. Yeah. What's your full name? Ahmed? Ahmed Bilge. Bilge. Yeah, yeah. That's actually my middle name, but uh, that's what I use for like comedy. Ahmed Bilge. Uh-huh. B-I-L-G. Is it better than the... the the actual last name? Yeah. Actual last name is just too, like, it's already foreign. I don't know. Uh, I always used Bilge my whole life, and then uh, when I started doing comedy, I'm like... People just have no idea where I'm from. Uh-huh. I could be from Nepal. I could be from Canada. <laughs> anywhere, you know. So I just decided I'm going to use my name, which is Ahmed is my name, you know. Uh, both of my grandparents' names as well. Mm. My parents were like, they told both sides, we're naming the child after you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, Ahmed Bilge, that's it, man. Yes, gives yes. A, gives it like an international flavor. A little bit. I mean, uh, it's it's an internationally known name. I mean, it doesn't have a, maybe a, the best reputation, but uh, I'm here to change that. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, uh, these three listeners, guys. Then uh, yes. But um, so I found you. I found out that you're performing actually tonight. People that are listening to this, then. That's probably like three, four weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so you kind of fell into my hands. I saw an advertisement with a comedy stand-up that you're doing here in Prague. Yeah. And um, so that's your that's what you do. I mean, you do comedy and nothing else, right? Yep. Full-time comedy since 2017. Okay. And uh, I uh, I have my like home shows in, in Switzerland where I'm based uh, near Zurich. 
And uh, and then I travel around Europe whenever I can to do shows uh, wherever will have me. You know, I I really enjoy doing comedy uh, everywhere in in weird places that I'd never go to. I mean, yesterday night I was in Brno. I mean, I had been in Brno in Prague uh, two years ago. Actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, March 2020 was mm. the show. It was the last show I did before the pandemic. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I came over here. Pandemic happened this year. I come. Europe is on the brink of war, you know. So 2024, watch out. Uh, <laughs> What's going to happen then? Prague is going to be in China. Okay, yeah. this is all going to be. <laughs> but uh, but um, how is it to, to, and you actually you said based in Switzerland. Is that, yeah. Are you in the military or? or? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, being in the Swiss military doesn't, you know, you don't need much to be in the Swiss military no. anyway. No. No, because you use that word based, you know, like. Yeah, like that's where I, that's where my home base is. That's how I, like my headquarters. Mm-hmm. That's where I live. That's where I come back to. That's where I call home these days. Yeah. I'm, uh, I am becoming Swiss this uh, summer as well. I'm getting my Swiss passport finally after 10 years in the country. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, that's where I call home these days. I've uh, traveled around a lot in my life. And I'm ready not to do it anymore, like at least to live in one place mm. for a long time. And I think that place is going to be Switzerland. But what, which passport do you have now? Turkish. So mm. I actually, I was born in Turkey. And then when I was a very small baby, my we moved to America with my parents. So I was there until I was 10 years old. Mm. And, uh, and then the next 10 years, I was in Istanbul. We came back from America. So that's where I spent all my adolescence and so on and then from uh, the last 10 kind of plus years i've been in switzerland i moved in like 2010 uh-huh and why 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 switzerland uh i moved to study there originally uh-huh. my dad is a scientist and uh i always thought i was going to be a scientist that's what i was like uh, that's what i was kind of into mm-hmm. right my dad's like an evolutionary psychologist and i was super interested in that kind of stuff yeah. he's an experimental psychologist as well so like you do experiments on animals, on people, and super interesting stuff, honestly. Uh, but it would just take too long to explain now. And uh, anyway, so for the longest time, I thought I was going to be a scientist, man. Like, I, I, uh, I did internships in uh, biopsychology laboratories with pigeons and fucking all this kind of stuff. And then that's why I first uh, came to uh, Switzerland was to uh, become a scientist and do science. I was in, I was in biology. And... Um, and then the way life ended up, I I started doing comedy as soon as I got there. Like when I was 20 was when I did my first gig. Mm. And obviously back then it's like you can't even imagine doing comedy for like you don't even think this is a possible thing. Other people do this, you know. Yeah. And then the more I started doing it, like it was I knew I wanted to be a comedian the second I did it when I was 20, but it was just so foreign. It was also, you know, I have immigrant parents, too. So it's like it's a bit of a fucking hard thing to come out like their whole life's life's work of like you are going to be a scientist. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to be a comedian. Yeah, you're going to be, a, you know, you went to a technical high school. You're at a technical university. We've done every, and I, for me to go like. I'm going to do something that requires absolutely no, n- like nothing, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and that took a while for me to come to terms with, like around five, six years, juggling that stuff and then doing comedy on the side until finally I was just like, I told my parents, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And they protested, they did, but whatever. But I was just like, no, it's done. I'm going to do this. And then it was very, you know, I think like the first, um, from that moment on, like the first, I'd say the six months were terrifying because Mm. I was like, I don't even, and then 
I started to like do my own shows and I started to make a certain amount of money. Like this one first show I did, I brought, a, I managed to bring a whole bunch of people to one show. I brought a couple of my comedian friends out and I did this one show. And at the end of it, I was like, holy shit, I fucking made money. Mm. I don't know how this happened. Mm. And then so I was, for the longest time in my career, fear was the biggest like motivator, you know? And uh, I just started doing more, more, working myself harder. And uh, after a while, I was like, I'm making a living. You, know? you were afraid. You were afraid that if you wouldn't make it in this, that you would have to become a scientist. Or uh, I or mean, you, you know I, what I, I mean. Not even exactly because I think the the ship on being a scientist sailed. I can't. I don't think like you can be like you know start studying uh, whatever uh, biology in like when you're 29 mm. and then actually make it as an academic. You know what I mean? Because mm. that, it's such a competitive field as well. Mm. By the way. Um, no, I was just scared that I was like, okay, I have no plan B. Everybody, that's what my family always told me. I do something. Have a plan B on the side. Have something else. And I finally came to the decision. I'm like, that is bullshit. I need to have one plan mm. and base everything off it, which is, as I said, scary. But it became rewarding after a while. I managed to deal with it. You know, mm. I managed to uh, make it make it a reality. And I've never looked back since. So that was 2017, 16, these times I'm describing. And then from then on, I just never looked back. And uh, it's a lot of hard work, but I wouldn't rather do anything else. Mm. Yeah. But it's, it's an interesting thing because I think, like, you know, a lot of people have this fear of, of kind of, taking the leap, you know, to, to actually chase whatever it is that, I mean, obviously for some people, you know, if they, I don't know, have a family or something, you know, there are bills yeah. to pay and stuff like yeah. that. But if you're, if you're running a, like, like a, with a low overhead, you know, like you can do, th but I think a lot of people say, okay, yeah, I have this uh, kind of thing that I want to work on, but I'm going to keep my half-time job or part-time job somewhere else. And then you kind of never really do it with all your heart. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. You need, you need, you need to be 100% into it. You need to have a little bit of, I believe, a little bit of fear of failure mm. uh, lighting a fire under your ass to keep yourself going. Mm. And you have to love it enough where you're ready to like, you know, I've faced that fear of like, maybe when I'm 50, I'm going to be exactly at the level I am now, which mm. is not terrible. I don't I don't dislike the type of shows and what I do now. I, lo I love it, you know? But at the same time, I, I am like aware, like the older you get, you have to work a little bit more efficiently. I'm going to have less energy. I, like I'm already planning mm. for my death, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm already planning up to that. So, uh, you know, but that that is a real possibility and I faced it and I'm like, fuck it. This is this is what I'm going to do. I, I, I don't care, you know? Mm. I don't do not care anymore i have a lot of friends that you know and this is the thing like uh people are always scared of like losing some sort of uh especially doing comedy right doing stand-up like it can be fucking really cringy and sad very quickly you know what i mean and people are scared to put themselves out there because they might lose some sort of like social currency mm -hmm. with the people they might know or not mm -hmm. know and I have slowly over time gotten to a point where I truly just don't give a fuck what other people might think mm -hmm. about what I do or what I don't do. It's like, I really don't care. I all, all, The only thing I care about is like people who come out to my shows right in front of me and how I'm doing, how I'm interacting with those people. You mm -hmm. know, that's that's the only thing I care anymore. Yeah. But the, these, uh, like w what you're saying, I... I I had a conversation with a friend the other day and she's she's been dancing for years. Yeah. And 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 she is a good dancer, you know, and and she looks good and you know like oh, oh, everything is good about it. 
and she shared a six-second video on Instagram with her dancing. And then she spent the whole day thinking if she should delete it because of this, what you're saying. You know, she was afraid <laughs> yeah. to put it out there and thinking that people... And, I, and when she told me, I said, listen, if they're your friends, they're not going to judge you for being a dancer. I mean, if they do, then they're not your friends, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... But I I, I think that it's... it's um, we demonize failure somehow, right? Of course. And we demonize failure much more. I mean, obviously, we do it overall, right? Like, uh, whatever you do. But especially if you go out on a limb and do something where people go, wow, you're you're a dancer? You know yeah. what I mean? Something like that. It's, it's, yeah, we demonize it. And to me, failure is, you know, I have some of my friends, still close friends, that I, whatever, went to, like, high school together with, right? And uh, to give you a little context, like the high school I went to was in, in Turkey. It was this uh, private German high school, right? I got in there with like a scholarship and stuff, but everybody around me was pretty fucking rich. Do you know what I mean? Like I never, my parents never bought me like a car or anything like that ever. Mm. That was never even a topic to be talked about, you know? Some of my friends would roll up in like Mercedes from their parents who was owned a factory, whatever, you know, that's like the kind of play. And I have some of my friends from that school who, you know, have a job somewhere and I still stay in contact with them. And I'm like, you are kind of living this life of like quiet misery. And, and it's, it's I think that's way worse. I think that's a bigger failure to just stay on the road of life, tell do exactly what people tell you to do mm. and never go like, what the fuck do I want? You know, there's many people, some of them even close friends of mine who who stayed more on that track and were like, okay, I will become an engineer because this is what society tells me I need to do and I need money and this is what my parents want and I don't want to look weird in front of all my other friends doing something else, right? And I look at them now, and I and even when I talk to them, they're honest with me, and I can tell they're like, you know, it's cool, I got a job, I'm doing this, but uh, it's like not, it's not necessarily their passion or anything, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I find to live like a passionless life, to live for the weekends, I find that the biggest failure, you mm -hmm. know? I mm -hmm. find that, the idea of that is terrifying to me. To spend, you know, give eight, nine hours of your day to something for money and then, which is, believe me, this is what most people do. I know this is like a, almost, I don't want to say entitled, but this is like a wild thing for most people. Most people, this is exactly what they do. My parents, more or less, this is exactly what they did. A uh, certain amount of hours per day, you go work for somebody to get the money and you don't question it mm. because this is, I think, um, maybe it's like our generation being a little bit more softer where we even get to think about stuff like this, you know? My parents never got to have that moment of like, what is my real passion? Do yeah. I really like, you know, being an insurance agent? Hmm, should I really do this? Can I discover them? No, it's like, bitch, go to work, make money, or, you know, you're gonna die. Mm -hmm. You need food, you know? That's what life is about. And uh, I feel like at least I have the luxury to be able to think and go, I don't want to do that, and if I'm gonna... If it's going to be hard, I'd rather be hard like this mm. through comedy. Yeah. But it's on, on one hand, you know, I mean, of course, you're right. I mean, like our, our parents and grandparents, you know, like they, they didn't have these. I mean, these options weren't there, all the education options and all the travel options. And they all didn't that. have TikTok. No, and they, <laughs> they didn't see all the plastic boobs and all that stuff. Yes. So, so that's why they didn't go for it, because it wasn't in front of them. But 
And I mean, at that time also, I mean, a lot, a big parts of the world were kind of closed off, you know, with communism and stuff like that. So it was very different. But but I think also, like, with, with these... Um, because, I mean, I, I can connect to this with... I know doing a podcast versus going on stage in front of live audience is a very different thing because, I mean, I recorded yeah. my first podcast was horrible, but I, w- I sent it to friends and they just told me, listen, you can't put this out, this is not good. <laughs> but I, So I had that luxury. I mean, if I would have done that on stage, you know, it would have been a crash. I mean, that happens as well on mm. stage. So that, that learning curve happens on stage too. And you suck on stage. And what hurts harder is that even after years of doing it, you can still... Be bad on stage once in a while. Actually, I mean, this is what a lot of uh, like very accomplished, famous comedians have told me. They're like, you need to be okay with not being good on stage sometimes. You can't be a killing machine. Mm. Carlos Mencia was a killing machine because he could never face bombing. He could never face bombing, so he would, you know, steal jokes from other people because he only knew how to kill and anything else he just didn't know how to do it. There's a way to bomb. There's a way to be bad. But you have to be okay with it. You have to admit that, you know what? Sometimes I'm going to come up with an idea. Even after so many years, I'm going to be embarrassed that I actually tried it out on stage. The only way to do it, or to, is to, the only way to find out is to do it, you know? But isn't that most stuff in life? I mean, if I think yeah. back on, on, I don't know, how I went for my first job interview. I mean, if I if I look back on it, it was, I, I get chills, you know, like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> the first girl that I was flirting with or hitting on, you know, it was oh so God. embarrassing, you know? I would, what I would do, I was I was like a stalker, you know? So I would find <laughs> these nice girls on my in the neighborhood, and then, uh, you know, I would stalk their house. I mean, the, uh, I'm, I'm so oh young God. that it's not cringy, you know? Like, I'm, <laughs> we're talking about like an eight-year-old stalker. Okay, you know, like, okay, good. Like, an eight-year-old stalker is much, much less creepy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I would, but I would go to their homes, you know, and be outside, and then I would like, okay, I'm going to ring the doorbell. And then I rang the doorbell, and then I was like, what the fuck am I going to say, you know? And then I would come up with some stuff like, yeah, um, did you by any chance find my keys? I lost them somewhere here outside, you know, outside <laughs> on the street, you know? Yeah. And and if you th- and it's with everything that you do in life. If you think about, you know, something that you did two years ago, a joke that you made, two, you, you yeah. might think back on it. What the fuck was I doing? But that's growth. That's growing. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's the only way to do it, man. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to do comedy and anything else in life. Really, it's the people who are like ready to fail and uh, unashamed of failing. Mm-hmm. You know the. It's it's hard. We live with these evolutionary psychological structures in our brains where failure, you feel like everybody is looking at you mm-hmm. and judging you. And it's because we grew like we evolved in these small tribes of, of uh, you know, uh, human beings, mm-hmm. right? Small tribes. So anything you make, any mistake you make is deadly for you, right? Mm-hmm. Because you lose the respect of the tribe. And losing the respect of the tribe means you can be alienated from the tribe. Being alienated from the tribe means you don't get any of the resources. You don't get the safety. You're in deep you fucking the, you, shit. You don't get the bang. No, not at all. Nobody's f- fucking you. Mm-hmm. Your lineage is dead, you know? Mm-hmm. So the respect of uh, of people around you is is something that it's is ingrained in us. It's ingrained in us, and it's psychologically difficult to deal with it. But even at like... Uh, you know, uh, at this level with comedy, or with many comedians, it's hard not to think 
what other comedians think about you. And I have come to a point where I also put that aside now. And I go, it's none of my business what the other comedians think about me. It has nothing to do with me. I don't give a fuck. Mm. I only care what the audience thinks about me, mm. you know? And um, that's, you know, it has a little bit to do with uh, maturing a little bit more, getting a little bit more experience, a little bit more, you know, self-confidence as well. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Because I, I, it's, I guess also, like, when you, when you feel that you had a, bad day or bad night or you know your show was off or whatever or you were off and you know then you you know like then you get back up there and you actually have a good show yeah so then you kind of realize yeah, okay th this can happen you know like we can have these bumps on the road and I'm, but i'm but i guess like like you're saying like uh, because i had this guy you were talking about that you you um you were supposed to become a scientist and you wanted to become a scientist yeah and he he's He's kind of has the same as you. I mean, he's he. They emigrated from Taiwan to to the U.S. to Colorado. It was like three, four episodes back. It's called "Playing the Violin Doesn't Get You Any Girls." That episode, and uh, <laughs> and so and that's horrible. They put him. To, they they made him play violin for like ten years. I mean, the guy is he was a fifty year old virgin, you know, because of playing the violin. You know, wow. nobody wants the violinist. But he wasn't bad, almost. And he said this. He said the same. The whole existence of his parents emigrating to Colorado was to get him educated. Yeah. Then he comes home, I'm going to study English. And they looked at him, but you speak English already. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm thinking this pressure, having this, like, because th this pressure I don't have, because my parents didn't emigrate anywhere or go yeah. anywhere to yeah. kind of make a better life for me, you know, like they, they just, I was just born in Iceland, raised in Iceland, and everything was kind of indifferent somehow. So it, this must add a little bit of you know, an extra that you have to make this comedy gig work out. Yes. And that's the biggest, I mean, my parents are lovely and they totally support everything now, you know. But, but did it take them some time to... 100%. Mm. Uh, my mom, for more than a year, was still against it. Even after like a year plus, even two years, two, three years into it, I think once she told me, she was like... Well, maybe you can look for like a job in IT and it'll be nice. Something I was I'm like, Mom, you don't get it, you know? But now I think she she gets it. She's been to many shows. I think my dad for the longest time, he was like, Oh, this is probably a phase. So it took him like a couple of months to be like, yo, this isn't a phase, you know, like for him to get serious about it. So that was, I mean, they're lovely people, but that was, I think, the biggest, how should I say, uh, standing up and doing jokes in front of a crowd. Obviously, it's nerve-wracking. It's you know you get over that, right? But the biggest thing I had to stand up to was kind of to my parents and to telling telling them mm -hmm. was the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. And once I was past that, I was like, oh my, I don't care about anything else. Actually, this is totally gravy from now on. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, yeah, because that was such a milestone to kind of that was the milestone. Mm -hmm. That was the big thing because. Uh, other people are like, oh, you do comedy, cool, I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> or, oh, I haven't met somebody. But, you know, it, and it comes from, like, a good thing, you know, your parents are there for a certain reason. My parents are bad people. They just want the best for me. They don't want me to be in a bad situation. My mom had a friend that she gave me this example of him, and I've met him before, and she was like, you know, this guy was in theater for years, and then, you know, now he's 50, He's living with his mom, and he and he does like clowning at McDonald's once in a while, you know. 
And it's true. Like, I met this guy. And he's just, like an intellectual. He was cool, you know, whatever. He loved wine and blah, blah, blah. But, like, he was a clown sometimes, which is whatever. It's no. a job. Yeah, no, I'm not dissing clowns. But at the same time, I understand what she was saying. And uh, I think there's no, I don't, I don't believe in a plan B. I don't believe in plan B people. I think mm. you get comfortable and that's what you become. Mm. I think you need to go as hard as possible into whatever you like and make it your own reality. Mm -hmm. you know? I'm, I'm almost 50. I know yeah. that you, I'm so happy you said our generation, you know, I'm, I'm probably 20 years older than you or more. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's, it's actually really interesting because, you know, I, I was, I was telling my, 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 my parents the other day, I said like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to put a little bit more focus on the podcast, you know, well, is it making you any money? I said, no, not really. And that wasn't necessarily the purpose in the beginning, you know? Yeah. Well, why would you do it then? And I'm fucking 50. <laughs> you know, it's it, yes. this never goes. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but I don't live with them anymore. You know, I just moved out. So, oh, nice! Congratulations. Know, but I, and I, I, I lost my clown job. Um, hey, at least you have this podcast studio, man. Yeah, this is pretty great. dope. Cool, cool studio. <laughs> I did, I did all this stuff myself here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, if it's a tough night, I feel like you could tear down some of this foam. Yeah. it's a nice bed. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if she kicks me out. Yes. Um, but okay, so so. <laughs> kind of scientist versus standing on stage and making people laugh. I mean, were you always kind of, a, I don't know, like a, the class clown or, I mean, do you know what I mean? Did you thrive on some sort of attention or? A I mean, a little bit. I don't, I don't think I was ever like the, exactly the class clown. I was a bit too shy, actually, to be the class clown back then, let's say. But I was always the funny guy. I was the guy who would sit at the back of the class uh, with a couple of my friends and like snicker and make little mm. remarks, right? That's mm. what I still to this day love, by the way. Like I love doing that. I love being at somebody else's comedy show. Like I've done my set or something and hanging out with the rest of the comedians and just fucking making jokes about whatever it is, mocking, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, I traveled around a lot, you know, and when you travel around a lot, it's, you know, helpful to be the funny guy. Mm -hmm. You kind of learn what, uh, when you move around, it's different surroundings, different groups, different groups all the time, all the time. You learn how to survive and, and, and you know, and mm -hmm. humor is awesome for that. It's just an icebreaker. Yeah, of course. But what was it that, like, got you on that stage when you were 20? I mean, like, were you just watching a YouTube comedy show and then I want to do this? Or, I mean, or you went to a club or? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely watching. Um... Honestly, I feel like every, like, I heard somebody, I don't know if this is an actual quote or I'm making this up. I heard somebody say, art is lies. The only truth is sex. <laughs> Sounds good. It's kind of true because I can tell you right now, like, I remember what pushed me to be on stage. It was watching other comedians. It was, you know, all that stuff. But on a certain level, it was... I want to get laid, and I thought maybe this would help or something. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but like, it's not obviously it's not that simple. But that is underneath everything. You know what I mean? Like, people never talk about that stuff. It is underneath that stuff. You know, I'm not this big muscular guy. I was never that guy. You know, so you have to be something else. You have mm -hmm. to try something else. Beyond that, on like a intellectual level, I think for me it was like for the longest time I, I always watched comedy a lot growing up as well, and. Um, what inspired me to do comedy was not watching amazing comedians like whatever, Jerry Seinfeld or Louis C.K. or what. It wasn't watching these people. It was actually going to an open mic and seeing how bad other people were. 
that is what inspired me. That actually gave me courage. You knew that be you could like, be better. I could like I can be better than that guy, and he's fucking doing it, so I can do it. Mm. That's that's what really made it happen. Because otherwise, when you see uh, comedic greats, you're like. I don't even understand how that's possible, how somebody can be this good, you know? So that never inspires you to actually go and do it. Uh, other than that, though, I, Louis C.K. was a big influence of me, especially in the in, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, when I really started and I got into his comedy as well, that really did inspire me to, like, I think I want to become a comedian, you know, mm-hmm. to take it to that next, next level, mm-hmm. you know? The first maybe handful of times I did it, I wasn't thinking anything about it. I was just like, oh, this is kind of something cool. I like this. Uh, but then as time went on, that, that's what it turned into. But you said the motive behind everything in the world is to get late. A little bit. A little bit. What, what do you mean? I mean, what, elaborate. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like everything we do as human beings is part of like this very elaborate uh, mating ritual, you know? And... Um, I mean, I don't know if this is if this is stupid to say, no, but uh, it's not. Just say it. Yeah, no. Um, so, I think uh, so. People talk about the meaning of life, right? Mm. What's the meaning of life? It can be many different things. Whatever you want it to be. Scientifically, if you look at the meaning of life, reproduction. It's to have a child, to reproduce and have a child. That's like all we know, let's say, on a very like emotionless level. What is the purpose that us here uh, are here as like beings is to reproduce. That's all we know. That's all our DNA knows, right? That's all single cells, amoebas know. They just know split, make more cells. That's all we fucking know. Now, obviously, as a more complex organism like human beings, this, you know, splinters off into millions of different things that some of them have nothing to do with reproduction, right? But that is kind of the underlying thing of everything. Why does somebody study finance? Why do you get a nice car? Why do women, you know, go and have plastic surgery or cosmetics or, you know, whatever, uh, fucking facial peeling creams? Mm. It's because everybody wants to get laid. (laughs) That's like, I feel like that's the driving thing behind everything behind art too even the greatest artists out there van gogh uh, you know cut his ear off for pussy mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. not for some other godly crazy philosophical thing it was over love it was over a woman you know mm-hmm. and um so that's what i mean by that kind of but it's it's an interesting thing because i i i feel like in in some way um and i, I didn't know this about the 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 your, your father's field Yeah, which I guess is very much kind of this, you know, how we kind are, of this stuff a yeah, little bit because yeah. we, I, I believe, you know, and and based on what I've read, you know, about you know archaeology and, and you know DNA and stuff like that, there, there is a certain hardwiring in us, you know, like there's a yeah, I don't know what you call it, like a firmware, you know, like there's nature, some, let's yeah, say, yeah. yeah, that that we have, and I feel with uh, in some way we are kind of trying to deny it in a way that we're or distancing ourselves from these kind of urges like greed um, yeah. horny or yeah. you know, or beauty and and uh, you know aggressiveness and all these kind of things and and uh, and we i don't know i mean if uh, maybe maybe it's always been like this you know maybe it's just a little bit more visible now because of you know we have all this information floating around but i find it arrogant in some way to to um, to kind of i don't know expect men not to be horny or not <laughs> to want women or yeah. not to go after women to because we've done that for three four five hundred thousand years you know of course of course and uh 
No, I don't think anybody necessarily even... It's just like... Uh, this is the thing. Our surroundings have changed so quickly, but our inner hardwire of our brain has... There's, on that timeline, it's been nothing. Mm. It's the same brain we had... You know, go back 600 years, we're fucking savages. Mm. We have that same brain, more or less. Mm. Not that much has changed in the brain department. Mm. But, you know, we have uh, Instagram now. Do you know what I mean? We have all these different things. And, um, yeah, so I think that's what that's what makes that. Totally. totally. And, we, and I feel with this that we're always saying, yeah, we should be more intelligent. But, no, we are animals, you know. We, we just dress nicer than the other animals. Or, yeah, you know, course. And we stand on two legs, you know. It's, yeah, of course. It's, it's, and, I, and I think... That's kind of like um, ties into you know because I've I've been watching some of your stuff you know like on 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 Instagram some, like, comedy clips yeah it's yeah. it's it's good stuff and guys Thank check you, out check out uh, Ahmed's uh, Instagram at Ahmed Bilge comedy yeah. on Instagram and it's it's great stuff short nice sketches with subtitles for those who can't or don't understand his English yeah. Texas <laughs> Texas English yes and. Um, and there, for example, you're making fun of like there was a Ukrainian at your show, and uh, yeah. and you you say, oh, that's nice, refugees are welcome welcome at my show. And yeah. I was thinking when I saw it, oh, maybe it's a little bit too early for that joke. And then I checked some other jokes that you had, and like, okay, so uh, you know, like this this kind of emphasis on our intelligence or social intelligence that is kind of then uh, deconnecting from that, let's say, inner hardwiring you know and yeah. the animal you know that that has created all these social boundaries and you break all of them yeah i do think like i do think um, i mean it's funny uh, to me it's interesting that you describe it as brutal because i always look at it as uh i try to do it charmingly you know like even that ukraine one it's not like i'm going in for somebody i'm going after them i always like talk to the crowd when i do improvised stuff which is most of the clips i put online uh, are are something improvised in the moment, right? Because that's great, because I don't have to burn material that mm -hmm. I actually do. And you still get to see what my shows are like. And, um, like, for example, the Ukraine... Oh, so you put out the teasers. Yeah. For the real yeah, deal, yeah. you need to exactly. show Exactly. So when oh. you come to the show, I have material that I do. I talk about other stuff, jokes that I've perfected. Mm. Uh, but, you know, if you put that out there, then I need a whole... Which, you know, I love doing new jokes and coming up with new stuff all the time. But it's always like a, it's an easy way to get uh, content, to produce content consistently all the time mm. is, uh, you know, have a lot of improvised moments during the set. And what I do with that, like, okay, with the Ukraine clip, right? I talk to the audience a lot. And my thing is like, I want to get to know you people. I want to get to meet you. We're going to have a conversation. And in that clip, I'm asking her, you know, I try to guess where people are from. I do all these kind of little things. And I was like, oh, you're from Poland. And she's like, oh, I'm from Ukraine. And in that moment when she said Ukraine, and this was like a week after the war happened, it was something like that you know uh and uh as soon as she said ukraine there was a tension and silence in the room like immediately mm -hmm. you know and i am very sensitive to this stuff i can tell what the audience feels and thinks all the time now my job is to break that tension right one way or another and my job isn't to like marginalize somebody, humiliate them, or make them feel bad. The beauty of that clip and many other clips that I put online is that that Ukraine one, for example, the reason I feel like this is not too early, I can put it out, I'm not scared of anybody getting, you know, the reason I can do that is because she is there laughing and I have that on camera and I show it to you on the clip. Mm. She's laughing along. Everybody else is laughing along, right? So... 
for some, it's much harder for somebody to get offended, mm. right? So like even that one, and and there's also a certain magic of when something is happening improvised. I also love doing it, right? It's not just like a, it's not like a content strategy idea. Mm. No, I love improvised comedy uh, because I think there's a certain magic that everybody understands when somebody is tr being funny in the moment, you know? And um, and then I try to be charmingly mean, you know? Mm. I think that's I think that's a good strategy for comedy. Like just be, uh, you can be mean, you can be a little brutal, as long as you bring a little charm to it, you know? And even in that clip, like it's not, it's not terrible. Yeah, I go, <laughs> refugees are welcome here in Zurich, which is actually a nice thing to say. Mm. It's not a wrong thing to no, say. No, it's true. It's true. And then I, you know, I make it very clear to the crowd. I'm like, look, it's a little difficult to joke about this right now, but mm. we got, I say like, we got to joke about it or the Russians win or something, mm. right? Mm. And then, uh, and like, this is what the whole clip is. I ask her, I go like, uh, well, uh, how long have you been here? right now mm -hmm. and she's like a week i'm like oh a week and so on and then i go like oh this is your boyfriend here blah 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 he's american i do a couple jokes about that and i go like how long have you two, two been together and don't say one week <laughs> like it's it's just something that comes up in the moment and everybody gets it that this is not super offensive this is not to make somebody feel bad mm -hmm. and believe me i get that impulse on stage sometimes there's my mind gets all the ideas and i filter out through experience what I should and should not say, you know? Um, so that's what I like to do in my clips. It's always, you know, messing around with people, mocking people in a fun way where they also laugh along mm. with it. You know, I think mm. that's that's the best, coolest thing. Mm. If you can make fun of somebody, they laugh and the crowd laughs, perfect. Well, we saw that in, in uh we saw that at the Oscars that, you know, Will Smith was laughing and then when he looked over to someone who was not laughing, then he went on mm. stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these things can happen, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and that was the worst hair loss commercial I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, that was just weird. Uh, that was, that was, uh, that made me sad kind of for Chris Rock. And I actually found out something later mm. that uh, apparently Chris Rock had broken his arm. Right, a couple of weeks before the Oscars, but he was booked to, you know, host it. So his arm hadn't even healed yet completely. So but he, he took the punch back. He took the cast off to host on TV. Mm -hmm. So like he couldn't punch back. He couldn't really defend himself. Not that he would even, even mm -hmm. if he could. But he was like a guy that was injured. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that, oh, that super annoyed me. But I mean, that's what you get, man. That's what actors are, by the way. Like I kind of dislike actors in general. Cause that's what they are, man. That's actors are, you know, uh, they're they're the, uh, the American football college uh, jock. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. what an actor is. They look beautiful, and they can say things cool for most of the time. Mm. But like, if you tell them, "Hey, come up with something. Come up with an opinion of their of your own," they don't know what the fuck to do. No, and they wouldn't want to do it either because it's probably of course it'd be terrible. Yeah. And uh, by the way, you would lose all respect. Like if, and that's why, like, I love when actors try to do comedy, like try to do stand up because stand up is that's what I love about it. It's the most. It's the biggest honesty in the world. It's mm -hmm. the most honest thing ever. Because, I mean, let's take the example of Will Smith before this mm -hmm. thing, right? Beloved, beloved actor. Even I kind of like him. Like, mm -hmm. he's cool. Uh, if he got up on a stand-up stage somewhere, even at a shitty fucking open mic somewhere, right? And he would get up, people would be like, Will, woo, Will Smith is here! Mm -hmm. 
And that would go for maybe two minutes. Yeah. And if he's if he sucks, he fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. People will not laugh. That's what I love about it. I think this was last it's honest, week. It's an honest response. It's super honest. You either laugh or you don't. Mm-hmm. Somebody pulls the laugh out of you or they don't. And that's that's the beauty of it. Like last week, was it Tuesday? Or something like that. Anyway, not important. Mm-hmm. We had a comedian who was she was on the show I was doing and uh, she was from Ukraine and she had just moved to Switzerland recently and she was doing comedy and she sucked it mm. was she was really bad like it was uncomfortably bad not a single laugh in a 8 minute set and that's a very long time to not get any sort of laugh and i leaned in and talked to a friend of mine i'm like this is why i love comedy because <laughs> like it's sad she had to move from ukraine to switzerland left her whole life behind complete tragedy terrible mm. and the crowd was like i know but it's not yeah. making me laugh it's not doing yeah. anything <laughs> but but um i don't know i mean like when, when you say like this with with will smith and those guys i mean if you look at if you look at where hollywood is i mean i don't know about i mean that's the only kind of film industry that you know, I get exposed to. I mean, a yeah. little bit of European, but like, sure. But Hollywood kind of dominates the scene, and it, it's it's gone it's gone very far to like in in a really short time. You know, to a point where this kind of wokeism or 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 yeah, certain tendencies have kind of crept into everything. And if you look at, for yeah. example, I'm thinking about it, like so, Will Smith, he could just never go out there and say the stuff that you say because yeah. that would cost him a role, or that would, you know, you know. Disney wouldn't want to work with him or whatever, you know? Yeah. And you don't need to think about that. I mean, as a comedian, you kind of like, you're your own boss. Of course. That's what's beautiful about stand-up. And also, look, I do agree with you. There is, I mean, that the whole woke stuff bugs me too. Any sort of performative uh, thing bugs me. The virtue signaling, any wokey kind, like that stuff really, I hate it and I'm not, I'm against it. And even in my comedy... I do racial jokes, even though they're kind of frowned upon in the comedy industry. Like, you know, in in comedy, there's comedians. There's, like, different comedians, you know? Mm. And uh, there's certain comedians who, like, I do smart comedy, you know? I like to do clever. I'm a highbrow humor. And I fucking hate that shit because, obviously, you need to be clever to do comedy. Mm. But, like, that's not why we're here. Be the if you're you can be the stupidest comedian on earth, and if you kill on stage, you're the best. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That's it. It doesn't matter if you're smart or not. But they come from this understand and like therefore doing any sort of racial joke is like some sort of they frown upon it. You're 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 a racist all. And I love doing stuff like this. And obviously, I use a little bit the fact that I'm Turkish, that people can't super easily say like, "Hey, you're racist," you know, unless I'm doing a joke about Kurdish people or something, which I do as well. That's like one of my clips. But like recently, I did one joke. I put a clip out there, and that it all it got like a lot of. Uh, love, of course, it got a little bit of hate too, but I don't care. It's people, it's traffic. This was the joke. It was about, um, long story, it was about like an Albanian surgeon, okay? Mm. It was just something that came up in the moment. And I was like, oh, an Albanian surgeon. I think somebody was an Albanian doctor or something in the crowd. I was trying to think up about a joke and I was like, oh, an Albanian surgeon, like he'll show up to surgery and somebody will be like scalpel, and he'd be like, "No, I have my own knife. Don't worry." Like uh-huh. I did that joke, <laughs> which is like I'm not saying like it's not like a super clever joke. It's kind of funny. I came up with it in the moment. I'm totally cool to make fun of stuff like this. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck if you're Albanian and you get 
uh, offended by that. Equal or more numbers of Albanians loved it, you know. Mm. So I don't, I don't care about stuff like that. I try to joke as much as I can about race and gender and anything I can, anything I can make funny. I want to joke about, and uh, I like doing jokes about stereotypes. But obviously, I'm not gonna go like you know. There's nothing funny about going. Hey, you know, black people love grape soda and fried chicken. Like, there's nothing funny about that to do that's, jokes that's like been that. Been said a million times. Yeah, and, uh, but you can you can use something that exists, any sort of stereotype, to turn it on its head and find something interesting or amusing or silly about mm. it. You know. But but with with this stuff, I mean, like um, looking at these kind of hot topics, you know, like you're saying, you know, gender, race, and it's a, it's an interesting thing. It's kind of like I feel like we've been convinced that the world is so much worse. I mean, obviously now yeah. we have a war, which isn't great. Of course. But uh, we've always had wars. I mean, it's it's nothing new. I mean, they just haven't been white people fighting them, and and mm -hmm. they haven't been in our backyard, you know. Yeah. And uh, but you know. I, I then so so like if if I would if I was an alien coming to Earth today and I would you know open my Instagram or Twitter or whatever I would <laughs> think yeah okay but oh these people are killing all people of color um, they are putting down women they are raping everyone everyone is a pedophile you know like and 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 the Earth is gonna melt in three years or something like yeah. that you know that would be the impression right? and, <laughs> yeah and then if I look at you know if because that's what I do. I read data. I look into numbers. I go and, and see, okay, so how, you know, what's the national depth of the U.S.? That's yeah. what I was doing last night. I was analyzing the national depth of the U.S. Not for any, I don't get anything paid for it. I just want to know this stuff. Yeah. Because I want to know if the world's biggest superpower is going bankrupt or not. Now, if you're a comedian, you can kind of get, a, because, yeah, and we, we had this conversation just before we started recording. You know, when I talk about some of these things, because I'm not a comedian, then I'm just an asshole. But you can talk <laughs> yeah. about them and criticize them and uh, talk about the hypocrisy. You can talk about the, the talk about this ironically, sarcastically, yeah, and yeah. You get away with it. As long as it's funny, that's the that's the thing, right? If it's funny, you can technically say anything, and that's kind of the power of comedy. Mm -hmm. Is that if you make somebody laugh at a point, even if they don't agree you kind of won you know what i mean like uh that's what a lot of comedians do they they hold they come up with a position that's technically hard to stand behind that you don't believe in even mm. right but then they make a point for it almost like a lawyer right they they argue for it and if somebody laughs at it ah they're a little bit even if they don't believe it they're kind of on board you know um, so that's why I think co comedy is, is very powerful, but that's why I also like to do it like so, like my type of comedy and what I do on stage, I do only say stuff I actually believe in. I don't just take a position for the fun of it, even though that's totally fun and I have nothing against it. But this mm -hmm. is more of like a self-protection thing is like I want to say something I actually believe in and and be funny with it. Then I have nothing to worry about. If somebody gets angry at me, I'll be like, well, that's what I actually believe. Mm -hmm. I won't be in a weird, precarious, you know, uh, position of like, oh, I said this, but I didn't mean it. And, you know, I won't be in that. It's like I said something. I thought this was funny and I can just stand behind it. I don't have to worry about anything, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah. Because we, you, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would assume that it can be. Yeah, like in nowadays, you know, like whatever you say can be and will be used against you somehow. Yeah. You know, not in a court of law, just in the the, the justice, the street justice, you know, and the sure. the forks, you know. 
And uh, do people assume that that you are what you say? You know what I mean? Like, or, or or do they see you? Okay, this is Ahmed on stage, and then this is Ahmed in reality, and he's actually a little bit more intelligent than I thought he was. And yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they uh, never say that. Uh, no? <laughs> um, I know what you mean. People do. Uh, people are interesting like that. Honestly, the way I do it is like I am. More or less the same guy I am on stage mm-hmm. everywhere else. I'm not that different. Uh, I feel sorry uh, for your wife. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing because, like, people come up to me and go, so are you actually, like, you have a wife? Are you married? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, bro, I didn't fucking make that whole shit up just for, like, a joke. I'm not, what are you, what are you, crazy? Who's going to go up and be like, well, I have four children and, uh, well, you know, Tommy and Kate. and No, it's just a joke. Like, who the fuck would ever do that, you know? Um, so there, there is people, you know, they get used to it after a while. I think mm. most people believe what they see on stage because mm. they can always once again tell. And the type of comedy I do, I'm not a one-liner guy. I'm not a deadpan. I'm exactly who I am on an exaggerated level. And maybe with more energy, more exaggeration, all the jokes and stuff. But more or less, I am the same guy I am, especially when I do improvised jokes. I have nothing else to do but be myself, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing you can work with. Exactly, and that kind of made me become a bit better comedian to be able to do improvised stuff because I have a better idea of who I am myself, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not doing a joke or an act for somebody or something else. I know exactly who I am, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but digging into stuff, you know, when you, when, you, when you need to make fun, or, you know, because kind of I was thinking... Of, yeah, I don't want to make Joe Rogan more popular than he is, but <laughs> he, he actually gets a lot of comedians on his show. And yeah. I found out, I mean, I had a few comedians on my show, and I found out the, the great thing about having comedians is, first of all, they know how to talk. Yeah. And secondly, actually, it appears to me that comedians have a kind of, they have their hands in everything somehow. You know what I mean? You need to know a little bit about politics. You need to know a little bit about kind of current things. You know, like you... You're a little bit all over, right? And also, like, nothing about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's knowing a little bit about stuff yeah. to be able to have some sort of little opinion. That's all I want to know about anything. Like, I published a clip about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, right? Mm-hmm. It's a new thing that happened. Yeah. And I was like, I want I know what the joke is already. Mm. Because whenever I do anything, I want to find whatever is silly about it, right? Mm. That's what I always go for. Something lighthearted. Even if I'm talking about something dark, which in this case, it's not whatever. It's a fucking celebrity thing, right? It's Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing. Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing. I don't consider it to be like, oh, super serious. It's just like a couple of famous people and whatever's happening in their world. I don't mm. care so much. But what I find to be silly in it, right, is like, he's a fucking actor. Like, I'm watching the the courtroom, and Johnny Depp is there, and he's fucking Johnny Depp. Mm. And he has his actor present, and the kind of... So I already know the funny thing about him is his movies, okay? That's what's funny. That's where the funny... That's where the jokes are going to be, obviously. And then I was like, let me learn a little bit more about it. Maybe something else will spark. Maybe I just want to know a little bit so I know which side I'm on. You mm-hmm. know, like it doesn't have to be a side even, but just to know more or less what's happening. Mm-hmm. So I looked a little bit into it. Oh, what happened? Oh, Amber Heard pooped in the bed. Oh my God, that's kind of weird. Wow, she yeah. fucking shit in the bed. Holy shit. You know, I, I wrote some, some people pay for getting that. Done. I know, I know. It was completely free. I, I was saying, like, uh, you know, she's an amazing actress mm-hmm. because, you know, some uh, actresses can like cry on command. She can shit on command, yeah. dude. Like, can you? imagine that like if i told you right now go shit in the bed you'd be like um i'm not ready you know i don't need to poop (laughs) she was like i am an actress i can do anything on command (laughs) Um, but 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 this is what you're saying because i i I get this feeling that that uh, by by 
by getting kind of scratching the surface on a lot of stuff, yeah, you're actually you belong then to let's say five percent of the world that actually knows something more. A than little just bit about everything. Yeah, and just and this is the other thing that gels. That, like, I consider it to be curiosity. Mm -hmm. That's how I do my crowd work, too. I'm g I am try to be genuinely curious about mm -hmm. somebody. I want to know what's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And that genuine curiosity kind of is over everything. Over this case as well, I was like, okay, I want to know a little bit about it. But that mixes and gels with that comedic thing of, I don't know if it's just me or other comedians, too, of apathy as well. Of like, actually, I don't, I actually am very selfish. I don't care about many things. Mm -hmm. I really don't care. I, I don't like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't care about anything. So that mixes together with that where I'm like, I just need to know enough to make a funny joke with it. And I don't give a fuck what the reality is. I don't care if Johnny Depp abused Amber Heard or the other way or both. I don't give a fuck really, mm -hmm. realistically. I just want to find where the funny is and that's all I care about. But this would be wrong to say because you know, like if I if I go on my LinkedIn and uh, where everybody has a stick up their ass and they're trying to be something better than they are, yeah. Um, then and I would write, oh, I've been following this and I don't really give a shit about who treated whom badly. Then I would be, you know, cold-hearted, blah 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 blah. Whereas when I when I listen to you say say this, you are just admitting to your nature. You think first of you about yourself, yeah. then about your wife, yeah. your children, your parents, your siblings, your grandparents, and then, you know, the layers add, then it's your village or your school buddies or whatever, yeah. and then someone who is in fucking, I don't know, Peru. Yeah, dude, totally. I think, honestly, I think almost everybody is like that, but it's socially unacceptable to admit that. Mm -hmm. And somehow you're like, if you say, and once again, people don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear you go, I don't give a fuck about, you know, the whatever's happening in Ukraine, right? Mm -hmm. If you say that, they're like, oh, how could you? How could you be so hard? And it's like, man, we all do that same thing with just different stuff all the time, mm -hmm. you know? When shit happened in Syria, the neighbor of Turkey, right? I didn't give a fuck about that either. Mm. And I didn't do anything. And guess what? Refugees were, I, I, there was a refugee crisis and stuff, right? Mm. I joked about that too. I joked about people, you know, not like so brutally, but like people drowning in the Mediterranean. You joke about whatever you can. Mm. It doesn't mean you don't necessarily don't Have care about the empathy. Or, yeah. yeah, it's not about not having empathy and not like believing the humanitarian side of it. But it's like, that's not funny. Mm. That's not funny to be mm. serious and humanitarian and whatever about it, right? But uh, what is funny to be is to be a little distance from everything. And I've tried to change it where like I don't care about something, but I know what other people care about. And I try to talk about what other people care about. Mm. I don't. I wouldn't have talked about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, but I just saw. I had this feeling. I'm like, yo, every, I've seen. Uh, I look there. I look there. Every. So one day I'm going to the show and I'm on the train. I see all this shit and I'm mm. like, okay, I'm gonna try to say something about this tonight and see if I can get a couple jokes out of it. You know and what that's I mean? An, that's an interesting thing because I do on my YouTube. I started doing this. You know, I spent a lot of time in my car in the morning. I drive with the dog to a park yeah. and then we walk and then I drive to the office or home or something. So I had all this dead time in the car where I was just looking, listening to Iron Maiden or something, and yeah, I thought, okay, yeah. let's do a little something a little bit more productive. 
So I started recording myself in the car, and I'm just talking about whatever is on my mind. Yeah. And I actually kind of found myself doing the same as you were saying. I actually started looking into some stuff. Well, can I actually have an opinion on this? Yeah. And 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 yeah, and it becomes you know, and then you take a little bit deeper, and you start thinking, okay, so what's the angle here? You know, and and actually, the luxury of not following it gives you the distance of being able to see it from uh, from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can actually talk about it in a very different way and you can talk about it sarcastically or you can ask questions that nobody else would ask because if you're sure. if you're in there fighting for the amper hurts of this world, you know, and or <laughs> protecting bad poopers or whatever yeah. it is that you do, yeah. you're going to be blinded, you know, you won't see the trees because of no, you won't see the woods because of all the trees. trees. You can't see the forest because of all the trees. There's woods in the trees and there's a forest. Yeah, you can't you see can't shit. See no, you just can't see shit. <laughs> or you, yeah, you will see shit in the bed. But yeah, so yeah. <laughs> because I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people are so invested into certain things that they don't have that distance. But it's like which it's, you have. It's phony. That's mm. what bothers me. All I can, I I enjoy genuine, honest people on whatever it is. And if somebody is like, you know what, I am so bothered. But you know, some of my friends, right? Uh, one of my friends, he was like. He was very disturbed by the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine, right? So you know what he fucking did? He got together a help package. He drove there from Switzerland, dropped off the stuff. I love this. That is beautiful. What a mensch. What a great person. What a great thing to do. I would never criticize somebody or shit on somebody from doing that. What I will, though, is people, this is my pet peeve. This is what I hate, is post about something online I stand with this, whatever mm. the cause du jour mm. is. I stand with this. I posted it online. And that's it. That's it? Yeah, that's it. That's all I have to do. That's going to solve I the just, war. Uh, blah, 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 tit, tit, tit. Okay, oh. done. It's like, I hate that shit, man. Mm. I never share stuff like that because I find it uh, disingenuous. Talk is cheap. Action is hard. I want you to do something. Before just posting and being like, yay, I did all I have to do. It was funny. There was a, the, a friend oh. of mine here. Uh, he's, a, he's a policeman. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of completely disproves your theory that I'm a drug dealer that you <laughs> told me earlier. <laughs> so he's, I, I'm friends with the police. Yeah. Or maybe I bought some police. I know. You have to be friends with the police yes. to get some drug yeah, deals exactly. done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he was actually put on guard by the Russian embassy in Prague. Uh, the first week or something, and then I met him like in the dog because he's a dog owner like me. You know, the, yeah. we, we have this secret community where we, you know, spread stories. And and he uh, he told me like three weeks in or something. I asked him, so what's going on around the the embassy? Because in the beginning there was like a lot of photos coming from there and stuff like that. Yeah. He said, well, we don't need to guard it anymore. People got their Instagram photos, so now we see. Don't that's what I'm talking I, about. I, I, it's exactly. so fucking phony. That's phony. It drives me like crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hate that. I hate that kind of stuff. Um, no, totally. I don't have so much more time, but we can hit a couple yeah, more of those uh, topics yeah, if you I've, want. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, I locked the door. You're not leaving. Okay. Amber is coming. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, on the, on that though, I mean, I remember because, you know, like people feel that that this makes a difference. And I remember that it was this fuck COVID. That yeah. was in the beginning. Fuck COVID. Or, or you know, yeah, and what's that gonna do? You know, is that like a vaccine, or does it yeah. stop spreading, or whatever? Yeah. And and that was like a for me that was like, what the fuck? You know, fuck COVID. Like, what's that gonna change? 
What does that mean? Even? Yeah, 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 yeah. And but talking about that COVID, I mean, I guess that impacted you massively. Yeah, sure. What did yeah, you do? Sure. Did you go online or did I mean? What, what? I did some stuff online. I was lucky in Switzerland. I got a little bit of help from the government, and I've been working since I did it. Remember, at the beginning of the podcast, they told you about this fear of failure and mm. how that you know motivated me a lot. And to some degrees, where even people around me were going like, you know. Yo, dude, fucking chill the fuck out. Like, you're doing too much, you know? And I, still to this day, I like to spread myself thin. I like to do as much as I can, you know? Like, I came here Monday, mm. a day earlier than my shows, just so I could host another comedy show here, just so I'd be in a different environment, do something different. And I try to do shows all the time, you know? And uh, anyway, but that that helped because uh because i'd been working so hard up until that point because i always thought because of that family fear other stuff i was like all everything i've created can just fucking disappear, poof, yeah. disappear like that so i need to keep on working at it just in case and i always thought even like i was thinking to myself i'm like you're being irrational you're being crazy and then one day the pandemic hit and i was like oh my fucking god Mm. I was right all mm. this time. <laughs> my my uh, rational paranoia in one way or another came true, you know? And um, I, I um, what I did during the pandemic was I really, I mean, I went to online. I didn't do any, like, online comedy shows like that. I did a couple because, like, some people booked me to do it, right? So it was money. I didn't say no to that. But otherwise... I didn't do any of that fucking Zoom comedy shit. Mm. But I started to do much more like filmography, making sketches, making online content. And that's kind of where I started to like build more of a social media following. And that's where I really started to like also appreciate the value of a good social media following, you know? Mm. And I've come to a point now where it might on that from the outside, it might seem like shallow or something or superficial or something. But all I care about now is like I want to have a bigger following on social media so more people come to my shows mm. and that's like kind of it mm. because I love the independence of social media that you can just be one person and you can do everything yourself and and you don't need anybody else this is like this amazing tool right so anyway, I got more and more into that stuff and even to this day like every week I post maybe two or three videos every week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've come to really enjoy that as well. I've really come to enjoy video editing, yeah, and filming, it's great. It's, it's sketches. Cool. Yeah, it's cool stuff. I mean, I, 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 I don't want to blow your ass or anything, but... Oh, thank you, dude. You know, like, no, please. The, the quality of your videos, I mean, just also from a production point of view, yeah. I mean, it, it, it looks... Really, really cool, and and um, yeah, I put a lot of time into that specifically because mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to put out something that I am. This is going online forever. I want to put out something that I'm super proud of, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, and you know, it took a lot of time to get better at that stuff, but like now, I have my own way of doing I it. I just don't have the patience, you know. That's the thing. I just like my girlfriend looks. Are, are you really gonna post this? Like, yeah, yeah, it's good enough. Yeah, no. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm present before she gets her hands on it, you know. But I, I don't know how do you get the how do you have the patience to do this? It's a, it's a workflow thing, and obviously, like once you figure out the formula that works, mm. kind of it becomes easier, yeah, you know. You have so, templates and so stuff. I know not even templates, but I just know like okay, 
I know. Uh, first of all, I even it's changed how I do comedy slightly, right? Because I used to just interact with the crowd, do whatever gets a laugh, then do my material, mix it up, whatever. Now you need to see. Now think I even this. think about where the cameras are. You yeah. know, like I'm like I, I know I have a camera right here on my right behind me. I have one camera ahead of me looking straight into it. So like even on stage when I'm doing it, I'm kind of positioning myself to look better on the camera later because I know, oh shit, if I but do like this, pull, pull in the stomach or. or <laughs> no, it doesn't work so well. <laughs> no, but more just like, oh shit, I'm talking to these people who are left up front. Yeah. The camera's right behind me. I'm going to move back a little bit yeah, yeah, so that you so the camera yeah. doesn't miss it. Yeah. Just like little things like that. And also just knowing, okay, what do I need for a good clip? I need basically 25 to 45 seconds is the best sort of clip, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to be something interactive with the crowd. It needs to be kind of self-contained. It needs to have three to four laughs in it. Mm -hmm. And then when I do it, when I get off stage, I already know from the voice recording. I always do a voice recording of the show. I already know, oh, shit, that shit happened. Yeah. Whatever. Yesterday night, I was... This is a, kind of a long story, but I... Um, I was talking to a couple yesterday night in Brno, right? Mm. And uh, they were on their first ever date. They came to my show for the first date, That's right? Cool. And I love uh, interacting with couples because there's a lot of built-up uh, kind mm. of funny to be found there, you know? And anyway, so I'm asking them. I, I told them, I'm like, look, we're going to do like a relationship time machine. And we're going to find out if you guys are meant for each other. Like, don't waste time on more dates. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. We'll see if you guys match up. And, you know, the questions, uh, you know, rise in intensity. You know, it starts off from simple stuff of, like, do you do drugs? And then it moves on to, oh, are you, like, amb ambitious in your career? And it moves on to, like, do you want to have kids? And then it moves, like, and it ends up in, it ended up in, I went, like, I asked the guy, like, what's your favorite, like, sex position, you know? Uh -huh. And he was like, uh, oh, I like it. And it was like this weird Czech guy called Simon or something. And he was like, yeah, I love uh, doggy style. This is nice. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I asked the girl, I'm like, what about you? And she's like, well, I'm a veterinarian. And uh, so I got to say, doggy style. <laughs> so like I know from yesterday night, there's like a couple jokes around it after it stuff yeah. I say. But I know that moment and that little clip, in my, I have it in my mind already, mm -hmm. right? So I know I can take my camera, drop the videos in, mm -hmm. and go, it's this actual snippet, cut mm -hmm. it, make it short, snazzy, mm -hmm. make it look beautiful, it's done, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it used to take a long time. Now I get a clip finished in like 20 minutes, maybe. Yeah, I am. I mean, it's the same for me. The first episode that I put just music on, tiny little edits, was like a whole day. Yeah, yeah, Now it's yeah. like a 40-minute 40, 40 job, you know? Now, now it becomes easier, right? Yeah. Totally, totally. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you, because uh, you, you've been... I saw on your page, your homepage, uh, which is Ahmed... Uh, Ahmed Pilke Comedy, www. Uh, yeah, and I will put the links in the, sure. in the episode notes. But I saw that you you have you host these international shows in Zurich, and and I guess there you had Louis C.K. Oh yeah, so I started my shows in in uh, as I told you at the very beginning in uh, 2016, 17, and mm. I called it the American Stand Up Show because. I like American comedians, and there's always a lot of British comedians in Europe, you know, because of the proximity, obviously. And I realized after a while, I'm like, I like American comedy. I like American comedians. I like visceral comedy that's in your face, and it's not subtle and not like, mm -hmm. hoo-hoo, clever. It's like fucking talking about pussy farts and just like, bam, right there, you know? Um, and that's what I call, I called it the American stand-up show. And it was just, you know, it started off as just doing like local small shows. And it really got to the level where I started getting bigger, bigger comedians. I got 
so many com comedians that are regulars at the Comedy Cellar and the Comedy Store in LA. Mm -hmm. These are the best comedy clubs in the world. And they, I started to get more of them. I start, I got this big kind of big comedian called Judah Friedlander, right? He has like a Netflix special and stuff. I did a show with him in 2018. And then before you know it, 2019, I did a show with Louis C.K. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly during the scandal, right? It was right, it was the first time he was coming back after the scandal. So it was amazing. That whole time was amazing. Did he? How did he? Did he make fun of that scandal himself on his first show? I mean, oh yeah, oh yeah. like immediately. Like that's he. He's talked a lot about it, and it made the shows amazing. Honestly, like the whole scandal thing. <laughs> The shows were amazing because of it, because there was so much tension about it. Mm. And there were certain moments during the show where, like, it was this explosive laughter, you know, mm. because it was a release. And many, like, so he was very interesting. That ended up being a uh, comedy special called Sincerely Louis C.K. And if the listeners look on Sincerely Louis C.K., I think he has a, a track called Big Cities or something like that, where he talks about Zurich. Uh -huh. And he has a joke about Switzerland, which is fucking hilarious. Like, the joke itself is yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. I'm like, motherfucker, that shit. And I got so much. Like, this is a long topic to go into. I got a lot of shit for, for doing that show mm -hmm. with him. But uh, I'm so proud of it. You know, I'm so proud that of that joke, of, of the Switzerland joke mm -hmm. in his special. And we did you it You created this. You, yeah. you, you made this happen. Yeah, that was in 2019. We had like tons of, we had the biggest protest that happened for Louis C.K. Mm. What happened at my show in Basel in Switzerland. And, uh, and it wasn't so bad, but it was, you know, it was a protest. And, um, and anyway, we did it again this year. Uh, March 26th, 27th, just like a month ago or something. With him again? Yeah, he came back again, and this time we went to Geneva as well. So we did Basel and Geneva this time. So he's, like, continuously coming. He likes Switzerland. He likes um, what we're doing. And uh, He's continuously coming. That sounds yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> that was a poor choice of words. Yeah. He's coming without a break. Like, yeah. he just doesn't stop coming, coming it sounds yeah. like. But but just on that, like yeah. you, you didn't get starstruck. This is your hero. I mean, this is not like it's hard not to. I mean, it's hard. Whenever you see a certain type of celebrity, I mean, people say this about Michael Jordan a lot, where they mm -hmm. go, they meet Michael Jordan, they go, he doesn't seem like a real person. He looks like a god. He mm -hmm. looks like he's floating. It doesn't look like a real. And of course, you have that kind of feeling a little bit. It's it's very hard, especially if you know about him in advance. It's kind of hard not to be starstruck, but you know, you kind of play it as cool as possible. Mm. And uh, he's very nice as well. He's very nice backstage. Yeah, he's a he's a very cool, polite, nice guy. Mm. Actually, like that's. And has he been forgiven? I mean, in general, have people forgiven? Louis I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. No. You know, like I don't think there he doesn't is no care. I don't think he cares anymore, and he shouldn't. You know, like he's he's been through his thing already with it. And, you know, this is a bigger topic, of course. Like, mm. it's very detailed and complex. Uh, I don't think it was up to anybody to forgive him. Anybody who liked him and liked his comedy knew all, always that he was never, like, an ethical compass. That was never his comedy. <laughs> no, that yeah. wasn't it. He was a dark, dirty comedian that would make terrible jokes. You know, mm. like, when I say terrible, like, yeah, yeah. very dark and edgy jokes. And that's who he was. Nobody looked at him and went, like, oh, Louis, he's, like... I want to be like him, like necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He was he was this weird guy always, and what he did, of course, wasn't cool. Blah blah blah. I'm not gonna go into it no. super, but uh, but.
But anybody who liked him, that's that's the name of the game. That's why I love stand-up. Nobody yeah, can I, fire you from yeah, stand-up. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and and I, I, that's what I was happy with, is that, you know, if you do something wrong, there should be a way back for you. I mean, if you serve your, you know, whatever, you you take into court, you go to jail, you pay a penalty, whatever it is, or you do yeah. a settlement outside of court or whatever, you should have a way back. And it should be up to the audience to choose if they want to see you or not. It shouldn't yeah. be like, like I don't know, like... Uh, I don't. I don't like it that Netflix cancel or Hollywood cancels an actor. Maybe I yeah. want to see his movies, even though he jerked off over a kid. Yeah, what, yeah. what the fuck he did, you know? <laughs> no, one hundred percent. And you know, he got fired from a lot of his TV stuff, mm. and that's justified. That's fine. You know, that's that's the way the world works. If you have what he did, basically to break it down, is sexual harassment in the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. You do that, you get fucking fired, and that's fine. That's good. That's how it should be, mm. you know? But also, it doesn't mean you can never work again. No, exactly. I mean, it you, doesn't you, mean you're an irredeemable person. I mean, we have so many celebrities. So many people are in the sphere. Like, you know, I'm just throwing this out there. I actually like him a lot. Mike Tyson went to fucking jail for rape. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's, it's, he's, he did his time. He got out. He still says that he didn't do it, which, whatever. But like, there's so many people like this. Life goes on. People are forgiven. Nothing is forever. Even I was saying this, even though I hated what Will Smith did, you know, uh, I was talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, like he shouldn't be allowed to do any more movies. I was like, what the fuck what is the wrong f- with yeah, you? That's crazy. Like, yeah, look, what he did was wrong and not cool, but bro, he's just a human being. Yeah. And we, in we that all make moment, mistakes. in that moment, for one reason or another, probably because of Jada Pinkett. He went up and he 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 smacked Chris. I'm like, at the end, it was just a slap. Let's not become oversensitive. Mm-hmm. It's just a slap. It's between them. Mm-hmm. Will Smith doesn't owe me a fucking apology. Talk it out with Chris Rock. If even that necessary, you did something wrong. Life continues. Yeah, and if it if it if it would have been like, I don't know like a major assault, you know, like then we have a legal system and a court system. Yeah, to de- you, exactly. you know what I mean? It's not exactly. something that me and you should decide the fate of. Exactly. Then we can choose. Oh, I don't like to watch his movies because yeah, he did something wrong. That's fine. But it should be our choice, not some influencer. Exactly, or exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so I know you're in a hurry. You're going to the show. I'm going to get you there. Yes. Um, and uh, thanks a lot for coming. Um, hey, thanks so much for having me on. This was a blast. I could yeah, talk for hours, dude. I can hear that. And uh, <laughs> be stay tuned for the nine-hour version. Um, <laughs> guys, follow the show on, on Facebook and Instagram, the Blah Blah Bunker, and my, I think, my personal Instagram is Midlife Crisis Warrior. And then there's a YouTube channel where you can see my rants. So check that out. Ahmed, have a great show tonight and back to Switzerland uh, soon. I'm continuing on Slovakia, Vienna, bunch of places after this. A full week tour. But thank you very much for having me, man. This was great. a pleasure. Thank you.